West Tigers fans, our boys, they went to New Zealand for the first preseason game of 2024. They got a win, if you want to call it that, and we're going to break it all down. Plus, our old friend, Justin Pascoe, he's in the podcast world the past weekend, and we'll play a bit of that and talk about that as well on another episode of the West Life Podcast. Welcome into another episode of the West Life Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Barnett. We are getting in tonight into a breakdown of the trial win by the West Tigers over the Warriors over the weekend. Plenty, plenty of good stuff on the show to discuss from that. Uh, please give us a follow at West Life Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to find any of our stuff, so uh, if you're listening on audio and you want to check out our YouTube uh, page. Shout out to all the people tuning in live again with us on the YouTube stream. So we're streaming 8.30 Monday and Wednesday. Be a part of it. We love the comments rolling through as I can see them rolling through now. So if you want to find all our stuff or you're on YouTube and you want to find our audio, just remember, go to not westtigers.com.au, go to west Tigers, drop the S, westtigers.com.au. That'll bring up our link tree link. All that link is in um, our Instagram and Twitter profiles as well, and that can literally direct you to everything, as well as our prediction poll, which we'll um, we'll talk about as well. We're going to do a prediction poll. We're gonna, look, we've got a couple of weeks of no footy. We've got a couple of weeks of footy and then a couple of weeks of no footy. So the prediction poll is always a fun one to get into. Uh, speaking of fun... Uh, let's go to Mr. Bashara coming in from the Red Room. How are you tonight, this evening, Mr. Bashara? Uh, good day, boys. Good day, everyone. Uh, I'm okay. I've I've calmed down a little bit from last night. Fancy getting upset over a win, but uh, I'll have to keep telling myself it's only a trial. It's only a trial. It's only a trial. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to be a little bit unpopular tonight. But um, look, there were plenty of <laughs> um, individual performances to, that we can look forward to, and like be, we can speak about and. Uh, very pleased with it, with quite a few players. Uh, just wasn't happy with the style, and you know we'll break it all down later. I mean, look, it is, it is a glorified training run, but just compared to some of the other games I saw, I was a little bit disappointed. Uh, you know, especially given the fact that we played against a team that we had an extra man for 50 minutes of the game, remembering that we had a player in the sim bin for 10 minutes as well. So. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll break it down all, and uh, and I'll make a few more enemies tonight. Be be fun. Jason D asking why is there a Melbourne player behind you? Look, once a tiger, always a tiger, Jason. But um, Sean Bloor, long li- may he long live in our hearts and our minds for um, yeah many years to come, no matter what jersey he's wearing. Uh, another man of many jerseys, be it especially West Tigers ones, along with uh, his beloved Sixers as well, and uh, amongst other teams. The stats man, Mr. Thompson, how are you going tonight? G'day, Josh. G'day, Rob. Yeah, mate, I'm going pretty good tonight. Um, quite pleased with, overall with the trial and what um, what came out of it. I'm not going to talk about too, about that too much right now because that's obviously what this show's about. So, yeah, I've I've enjoyed one trial. We've got another one to go, and 
like you said, then a couple of weeks of no Tigers footy, um, which is going to be a little bit of a pain in the backside. But uh, we'll get through it. And then we've got almost week after week after that. So good times ahead, I reckon. Yeah, I know Rob said um, he's a bit afraid of being a, a bit of a negative Nancy, but at least with trials, when you watch them, I, well, for myself, I don't have the emotional attachment. You obviously don't want to concede a lot of tries and get flogged, but you don't have an emotional. If the Warriors had a scored at the end there and won, I wouldn't. The only thing that would have annoyed me is people that do read too much in the trials would have given us a bit of a stink. Oh, you lost to 12 players and all all that garbage. That's literally the only emotional attachment to the result of a trial. If it was a real game, obviously, uh, my mood for a week will live or die with the result. But the trial, get through it unhurt. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, and we'll start with Mr. Benji Marshall. Uh, so Benji Marshall's comments post-game. So we'll start our review of the game with King's comments let's start with benji uh talking about the first 20 minutes actually really happy with the way we started the game um and the way we wanted to play the game and then i thought um when they lost a man and got sent off i thought we lost our intensity and dropped it and um went back to some old habits that uh, we need to address but all in all to get a good head out we used 28 players um you know got through reasonably injury free apart from declan um who's hopefully okay but um, still, it's good to get some some minutes into the boys, but the, yeah, that means nothing. Yeah, the, the first twenty minutes, obviously mentioned there. So the game divided into quarters. Uh, the Warriors losing literally uh, right on a quarter time. The uh, young Declan, they're getting, as Benji said, a shoulder shoulder to the face, and somehow. The referees, I don't know how. Literally, the Warriors players were like pointing, looking at the referee, pointing to Declan out cold on the ground. And the referee's like, oh, no, 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 play on. It's like, is, in this day and age where literally any slight touch of the face or head, it's a penalty. And a guy literally shoulder charged his face and went, went out cold. Like, how do you let? play run there like unbelievable like not the as i said the result of the game doesn't matter but just yeah as i thought that was weird to say the least yeah i wasn't a fan of that watching it too um i i could understand maybe from the point of uh, maybe we were going to pick it up but as soon as they picked it up i thought they'd blow it um the fact of the matter is he was out cold from the moment he was hit and that's why he dropped the ball there was like he was gone lights out before he even hit the ground and that was the scary part of the whole thing and the fact that they allowed play to carry on for 15 or maybe like 10 10 seconds or so after the contact um and he's just laying there prone on the ground and yeah it was it was a horrible look for for the comp that a player would be put in that sort of position and just yeah the game continuing um how would you well officiating managers that much in a trial, Roberto, but do you think that was weird? And how did you think the, uh, I felt like the whistle was being blown quite a lot to start with as well. Yeah, look, I'm a little bit embarrassed because at first, like when I watched it live at the very first bit of impact, I thought it was a head clash. And then it was only when I saw the replay that, I mean, he, he sort of hit him with the shoulder and the head. So 
look, he the guy's copped the, the New Zealand player. I don't forget what his name is. He's copped four or five weeks for it now. So um, I don't think, it, you know, it's something he'd want to do and he, he's learned a harsh, harsh lesson for it. But I just think they can do things in a way to speed it up a little bit. I, I know it's probably protocol. It's probably the right thing. Like the referee probably did the right thing, but once he, like he was down for nearly 10 minutes, like why couldn't they just call a New Zealand player out, do what they have to do, send him off, whatever, and just get that happening while, while the guy's on the ground and, and getting looked at and getting treatment. Like don't wait to see what the injury is before you make your decision. Like surely we can just speed the game up a little bit and just, you know, penalise the New Zealand player, send him off, and then wait for Declan to get ready or get stretched off or whatever the case may be. So, I don't know, I just, it just, it, it kind of dragged out. But, I mean, obviously, you know, the player's welfare is priority. But I just thought, why do we have to wait for him to go off the field before you actually address the penalty? But perhaps that's what the refs are instructed to do. I don't know. But I just think you could save a minute or two, you know, by, by sort of addressing it earlier. It was a quarter, a quarter time drinks break. That might have been the reason. Okay, well, I don't, we, we, I don't think they, they were taking penalized. drinks because it wasn't that hot for our game. Um, they did for all the games no, uh, on Saturday. I thought they did. Yeah, I don't, I I don't remember stopped. seeing a three-quarter time break, to be fair. so Yeah, there wasn't a three-quarter time break. Yeah, there were no drinks hmm. breaks because it was only like 24 degrees or something in New Zealand Yeah, while the games yeah. that were played in Sydney um, and on the, and on the um, Central Coast on Saturday were played in, I think, close to 30 degrees or something like that. So. Hmm. It was literally bang on the 20th minute, so I, I thought they would yeah. stop for a quarter time. All right, my stand corrected. Uh, Benji Marshall here talking about defence. It's not going to happen overnight, um, but the, most thing, the, the thing I was pleased with the most was um, a few of the standards around our defence that we wanted to set was a lot better. Um, I thought a couple of tries we let them were a little bit soft, but uh, we needed definitely a lot to work on. Yeah, one one try, very, very soft and very ominous. And I think it's pretty obvious who was to blame for uh, for missing that um, that read and having a gap the Titanic could have gone through. Uh, I thought the defense looked pretty good. I think our forwards, if there's something that impressed me the most, I felt like our forwards looked fit, agile, um, driving people back in defense. I I think, yeah, and the four-pack was probably a stronger, cl- closer to full strength than the back line as well, who 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 is to come in still as Tolly and Bateman. anyone else that didn't play? Bateman. So yeah. I thought the forward... Um, so you replaced Kepa Oa, uh, which probably Bateman in that. Yeah, in that scrum and the four packs looking pretty good. So I'm feeling pretty good about the forwards. I thought Steph was really good. We'll get to play ratings and stuff later. But yeah, that one try aside. And then like the Warriors look like they're going to score. And I just, I'd come to the conclusion in my head, oh yeah, Warriors are in here. And they were scrambling like their lives depended on it. Uh, Dream Buller, uh, what a player he is as well. What were your thoughts on the defence, Roberto? Well, look, um, obviously you've mentioned Kapoa and, and you've highlighted that. Uh, I didn't mention him. <laughs> I alluded to him. <laughs> well, you alluded to him, but you should mention yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 made yeah. a, he's made a bad read like unfortunately he normally does. And we, 
we can't afford one or two bad Kapoa reads every game. So I, I thought overall the defence was okay. I was very concerned when uh, the Warriors did have 12 men that they got around us once on the right and then we, like on, on their right, and then we brilliantly scrambled to save Montoya. But again, they created an overlap with 12 men and, you know, we all the boys came across and defended. A couple of easy missed tackles, but... Look, we, we conceded, you know, excuse my inner Aaron Thompson, but we conceded an average of 28, 28 and a quarter points last year, which which isn't good enough, you know, per game. So it's it's good to see the defence better. But let's face it, they had 12 men for 50 minutes to attack with. So, you know, is it a good indication of where our defence is at? I don't, I don't know. But, um, yeah, certainly the starting forwards played quite well. Um, but yeah, I, I'll reserve judgment on on that. One one thing I will say, you make, there's other guys that didn't play too. Josh, you know, Matamua wasn't there, um, and I believe I, I think I saw it on Twitter today. We were missing 13 of our top 30 squad, so we only had 17 mm. players of our top 30, you know, players and the development players there. So 17 out of 30, it, that's that's you know, there's quite a few guys missing. So it's it's not that bad from that point of view, but. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm more concerned about the style we're going to play with in attack. And I just keep coming back to the fact maybe it was only a trial. Maybe it was just to get some miles in the legs. But I've watched all the trials this weekend and I just thought we ran, we hardly ran any shape in terms of backline movements. We certainly didn't get around the Warriors, I think maybe once in, in the whole game. And we had an extra man. So I just thought it was a very simplistic game plan and, that that really disappointed me. Like there were some some good individual performances, but if that's the style we're going to play, I, I think you know we'll be in for a long year. We we, we just and and you know what the penny will drop if we lose a few games in a row. We'll, we'll have to realise, you know, we're going to have to mm. score more points, especially playing Canberra in Canberra first up. As anything to add to that. Just on the playing against uh, 12 for three quarters of the game, I would like to say that I think in a trial, playing against 12 players um, doesn't have as much of an effect because of the fact that there's unlimited interchanges on both sides. So they they basically have fit players on the field at, well, at most times, except for probably like the last 15, 10 minutes of the game. Um, and I will say that we did hold them out for the rest of the first half, like, when they were played down for the rest of the first half, while we still had a handful of our um, expected starters out there, we did keep them out. So we were defending quite well. I know there were a few players whose defense was a little bit suspect um, and could cause some concerns throughout the season, but I I don't want to take too much out of um, like the first half in particular. For me, that was the part of the game that was going to be the most important because Correct. I knew that in the second half, we'd have hardly any of those guys out there. I think uh, Staines and Sullivan were the last two uh, potential expected starters on the field, and they played maybe 55 to 60 minutes before they were both off the field as well. So, yeah, overall, I mean, it's not great to concede points and lose like during that 60-minute period, but I'm not overly concerned about that when they had fit players um, – and by the time they started scoring the points, it was pretty much all of our flag, ball, um, and development players out there. So I don't think that part of the game should worry us too much. Um, we looked, I thought we looked pretty good when we had Caesar, Appy, 
and Sullivan in attack all linking up on the field at the same time. Um, it was really their first chance to link up properly as a squad in game circumstances. So I think we'll get a much better idea of how the side's looking come this, uh, the end full-time of our next trial on Saturday night. Yeah, Aaron, I just want to touch on, with, with the man overlap thing, and, and this isn't a Benji Marshall thing, this is actually Michael Maguire teams, we, we've got a history of not being able to play against 12 men. So if you go back to 2021 when we played the Warriors on uh, at Gosford, they had a man in the sin bin and they scored two tries against us while we had a man down. And then when we played them at Campbelltown in Campbelltown in 2022, they had a man in the sin bin and they scored a try against us. When I say they scored a try against us, we didn't score a try against them. So in two sin bins in, in proper game time, we've had three tries scored against us and we haven't scored any. So I just think it's something, you know, we've got to be able to recognise if they've got 12 men and we've got 13, we've got to be able to put some shape on them. But you're 100% right. Aiden Caesar, for me, was the highlight. Um, he showed he's all class. He can control a game, uh, backed up for a try. Uh, I did not expect him to play that well. And again, the first 20 to 30 minutes are the only part of the game that matter because we, we've got all our starters off the field for the second half. And even if we'd have lost the game, it, it really wouldn't have bothered me. I, I just wanted to see a little bit more in terms of our style because, as I said, I've seen some other teams that finished down the bottom of the ladder. One in particular, Canterbury, uh, didn't matter who their halves were. I loved the way they were straightening up their attack, using the block shapes, running back line movements. I just thought they looked really good in, in the style that they wanted to play. And I just thought our, our our style was a bit simple. But as you said, maybe we'll see more against St. George. Although, mm. again, in the Charity Shield game, St. George basically pulled their team at halftime or most of their players at halftime. Ben Hunt came off. He was already dressed in his, in his civvies. Uh, you know, for the start of the second half. So I guess we're only going to get to see the first half this week as to how, how you know, we're really shaping up. Mm. Uh, B good point from B-Rose here uh, that I was going to make a point. The attacking kicks were great. So if you, in my notes here, um, repeat sets is something that we're not used to, the West Tigers getting. We've got, got a couple of, of those and the ball finding grass, like there was a kick on the fourth, by Caesar and Caesar. yeah, it, yeah. So they were basically running the ball back uh, from inside their own ten a lot. So and defensively, I felt like in that first twenty minutes there weren't a lot of, um, apart from penalties uh, early on, the Warriors were basically playing out of their own half most of the time. So yeah, while well, in attack again to to go back on the defense thing, the attacking kicks. Um, I guess they're not attacking kicks, more defensive um, strategic kicks were very good as well. The long kicking game I thought was great and the defense was getting up there and, yeah, basically making tackles at the 10. It makes a big difference rather than the, the, them coming down and playing towards our red zone and getting into their attack. So, yeah, to keep the Warriors with, with 13 men, they only scored that one try because of the Kepoa. Uh, someone mentioned in the comments he did a Nofaluma there. So, yeah. Um, am, I, am I the only other... one? Am I, am I the only one that thinks safe ass try wasn't a try? Like, is that is that not an obstruction every day of the week from Big Steph? I, I just they couldn't believe it about that ten I times. I, I know. Yeah, I like, they were going to take it off us too. Yeah, I, I I I actually thought it was a clear no try, but I mean, I just hope we get those sort of decisions when it matters and not in freaking trial games. 
I think maybe because of the fact that the Warriors player, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but I think because they um, they wrapped the, their arms around Stefano, maybe that was the whole defensive decision thing, and that might have been what yeah. they eventually went with. But I'm very worried that that, sort, that exact same call will go against us in the season because it has a habit of doing so. Yeah. Well, I actually think it should have been no try, but anyway, we got away with one there. Mm. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Mobile Corp, who are on board with us again this year. Proud sponsor of the Westlife podcast once again. Uh, this business in their early days, they were a major sponsor of the Balmain Tigers, as you can see uh, with a few on my graphics on the, if you're watching on the YouTube now. For all your business IT needs from cloud-based tele, telephony, telephony, tele, telephony. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely know what that. I tell, yeah, I definitely know what that means. Um, I know what a cloud is. Cloud-based telephony. Look, that's why they're the experts. Mobile Corp. Don't call me for, uh, for tech, uh, tech expertise. Call Mobile Corp. Security, desktop support, anything. Uh, Microsoft. Reach out to Mobile Corp through their website, mobilecorp.com.au, and be sure to mention that you're a listener of the West Life Podcast. Striker, talk some. Uh, Tigers with Stephen, who's a massive, massive fan himself. So thanks again for the those uh, boys and girls of Mobile Cop jumping on board with us again uh, this season. Uh, any other notes from this game, boys? I kind of had a section for notes here, but we kind of ticked them um, kind of all off. Talk about the King game. We're going to talk about the halves themselves a little bit more as well. Um, are, you, are you going to be yeah. speaking about the players at all, Josh, or do we? Yeah, do that now? We'll, we'll go. We'll go in the player ratings. We'll go straight through into that, and we'll um, yeah, talk about certain players. So, a bit different for the player ratings this week. Um, apologies, a lot of people were disappointed that. Uh, so basically, for those who didn't take part, it was only sixty-six uh, people that took part in this. It was very last minute. I put together normally. Uh, for the new listeners, I put out a poll for the 17 players and you rate them 1 to 10. I thought with 20, how many players end up playing? 26, 28, 28, whatever. 28 players going through and doing 1 to 10 for all those in a trial when they're not playing for like too hard. So literally all I did this week is I had the top, the players that are part of the top 30, I had the list ready to go a little bit last minute. Maybe next week I'll add um, even the, extra extra guys that are playing as well because a lot of people wanted to have their say about certain players that aren't in the uh, in the top 30. So basically all you had to do was tick uh, out of all the players who you thought played well and then another poll for who you think didn't play well, which kind of in the end gave us a bit of a rating. Um, Rob, you said you thought Aiden Caesar was a highlight. So 98.5% of people thought. So basically one person, literally one person, didn't think Aiden Caesar uh, was worth the time of uh, giving a tick, and then uh, probably misses Brooks. In the in, in the uh, in the high eighties, we had uh, Safarf, Corosau, uh, who's uh, Isaiah Papali'i, Stefano, and Jaden Sullivan. So they were kind of all um, pretty close for second there. So does that sound about right to you? As would those uh, Caesar be your pick of player that most impressed you with those 
other five on a tear down from there? Yeah, 100%. Caesar had his hands in everything while he was out there. Um, he linked up well with Sullivan, uh, and he ran a good support run on the inside from Solomon Fatape's break, which got him a try as well, which I thought was an absolutely beautiful piece of play um, that we actually didn't really see a lot of in the last couple of seasons. Um, support players, I think, was something that we had a really hard time getting uh, or having players run support plays was something we had a hard time getting last year. And it's good to see that um, Caesar's come in and immediately started to try and buck that trend. Uh, I thought he was, yeah, for me, out of those top 30 guys, he was the absolute standout. Obviously, there were a couple of the youngsters, I thought, performed quite well as well, um, training trialists, etc. So, yeah, that would probably be the order I'd rank them in. I thought Buller was solid, but not quite the heights we got from him last year, which I think is probably probably contributed to not a great rating for him, but um, I think given it's the first trial of the season and he played limited minutes as well, uh, wait a little bit longer with, with old Jareem hmm. or young Jareem. Yeah, I think people, I thought Buller, because we were obviously chatting during the game, I was thinking Buller was playing okay. Like he did, he picked up the loose ball and kind of put someone away. Um at one point in the game, I can't remember who it might have been a Fainu he put put through. He saved a couple of tries. I thought Baller looked or okay. Like I think he, yeah, gave me confidence about this year. I didn't think he, I, I like look. He didn't have a man of the match performance, but I yeah, I, I think he showed a few flashes of brilliance and still formed combinations with that new halves. So that 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 might take. A bit of time. I was fine with Buller. Uh Any names that strike you, Brado? Uh, yeah, well, look, just on Buller, I thought defensively he was good, but he's one of those players, you know, he, he doesn't have ants in his pants, like he glides around the field. So he, he does mm. look, you know, casual for want of a better term, but I definitely agree with Aaron. He was probably like a little bit down on what we'd expect of him. Uh, yeah, look, Fata Ape, what a great debut. Um, and you guys have mentioned Caesar, Steph, Appy, uh, Clem was good. Ice was good. The one, the one, not putting a sour note on it. I, I think it's just basically Benji probably keeping Sullivan's cards to his chest. I like to see Sullivan run the ball and show that attacking brilliance that he showed against us when he scored two tries for Saints last year. He didn't. I don't think Sullivan played badly. I don't think Sullivan played well. I just think it was a very neutral performance like I didn't I didn't get the hype look he probably just did his job as a link but it wasn't like a a wow game but it wasn't a bad game either I just I'll reserve judgment on that um from the guys that didn't start I thought uh young Matai with his limited minutes did a couple of nice things Mason was heavily involved um but Alex Lobb was uh, you know you'll get on to him later mm. Alex Lobb was an absolute standout and if he has another good game against St. George and Benji's being honest about whoever shows their worth in the trials gets a starting spot, you, you've got to have Lob there. I mean, he, he did great under two high balls um, in attack, uh, you know, did well with a couple of uh, defensive catches where, you know, he shuttled the ball onto his fullback and got ready to take the next hit up. I just thought he looked like a seasoned professional. So very exciting yep. to see what Lob did. Uh, I hope he has another good game this week and, mm. I want to see him in that team against Canberra if he can back it up. 
Yeah, 100%. he was, um, Lobb in particular, he was really determined to put his best foot forward. I'd say we got a couple of those performances from guys off the bench and um, some of those other extended bench starters. But yeah, I was really impressed with Lobb. And I noticed someone on um, Twitter, I think it was, saying how good is it to have a tall winger again? I think it might have actually been Carla. Um, 190-odd centimetre winger. We haven't had a tall winger mm. for a while. So the way he got up to uh, contest that kick, that led to Sione La- Latoya Vaihu's try was, I think, I thought actually really quite nice. Sione himself mm. nearly butchered it, falling over when he was um, trying to get to the goal line. But that it was it was still a really good piece of play, I thought, and a really good team team play there. He also, as well as being obviously big and athletic, sometimes that doesn't translate when they don't have good hands. And it looks like he's also obviously got the suction right cup hand. hands, yeah, to catch yeah. the ball. There's one thing to be able to um, to jump, kind of like uh, Warbrick for the Storm, who just seems to be a gun under the high ball as well. So, he, I mean, it's coming up someone like that. It'd be nice to have Lob marking him someone like him this year. So, yeah, he um, yeah, he impressed me. Lob City, bring it on. So uh, we were going to have a whole section for the bench, but it's it's all right. We'll, um, <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. I just... Yeah, it's a, it's our first review of the year. We're yeah, still, we're, look, we're, 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 it's a trial. We're still finding combinations and that sort of thing for the season. It's <laughs> yeah, all trials, we're allowed trials. to be rusty as well <laughs> as the players, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah rate, rate us. We'll, we'll, we'll put I, a poll out. Rate us out of 10. I will say one thing: if if we're gonna like be serious about having a good team in this competition and and having any chance of being near the finals, I think it's going to take one or two players from that twenty-one to thirty position in our squad to just come out of nowhere and step up. And I'm kind of hoping Lob is one of those guys because I just think our best seventeen or eighteen, especially when you get to like the bench, it's not so great. We need a couple of guys. Mm that we've never heard of, like Lob and and like hopefully a couple of others that didn't even play on the weekend, to step up and, and say they belong in first grade for us to get anywhere. Because if we do cop some injuries, we look quite thin. So we, we mm. just need some of these fringe players to really be a lot better, uh, you know, than we know of them to be. Uh, Alex Ross says in the comments, reminds him reminds him of uh, an AFL, I assume Alex <laughs> is a boy. It could be a boy or a girl. Um, yeah, an AFL player. There's a photo from the preseason training where they're doing high balls, and he basically is jumping over Charlie Staines like he's a child, like taking taking a high ball. So yeah. he does have I was, that. I was jokingly saying myself, him. Josh, that he should have been in a Storm jersey because, honestly, if you look at the last mm. five or six years, you know, whether it was Vunavalu or Warbrick or whoever they put in on the wing, Melbourne, mm. they're tall, athletic, they can catch, they do their job, and they, and they look like they've played. 50 first grade games when they when they haven't played any and that's that's exactly what Lob did the other night he was or the, yesterday sorry he was really really good and uh, look I just hope it wasn't a flash in the pan performance I hope that's what he's made of and he can do it all the time he was certainly better than Junior Tupu that's a nice segue there so flipped over to the not so well part of the poll so Junior Tupu won that part 72 percent of people voted for him. As uh, not having a great game, obviously that first carry was basically coughing up the ball, didn't help as well. And yeah, he's hoping as it's not a case of him checking out because he's 
leaving at the end of the year. Yeah, it, I thought it obviously that first carry that he dropped, which um, led to good field position for the Warriors, was extremely disappointing. But I thought he did some all right things in there as well. Um, mm. I know we as a fan base have had a little bit of a thing in the past where because we've had so many bad performances, if, if a player does one thing that's mm. um, really poor, then that kind of outweighs Stings, all no. the good they can do. And um, like we obviously saw it a lot with Brooks and um, other players, but mainly Brooks. So I did see some things I like from Junior Tupo, but obviously we are losing him at the end of this year. And if there are players who are going to outshine him, like say um, Alex Lobb and potentially some others there as well, then maybe it might be worth giving them a bit more of a run in his position. Um, but yeah, it was it was extremely disappointing to see how he got how he started. But I I felt like he made up for it somewhat as the game went on um, until it was taken off. But yeah, uh, anything to add on Toops, Rob? I, I just think it's how he carries the ball when he runs. I, I noticed the next couple of carries that he didn't drop. He still he still has that ball waving around, you know, like under his right arm, and it's just going up and down, in and out. He he just when he gets close to the impact, he's just got to tuck it in and and just be a bit mm. safe. Like to be fair, to be fair, that lost ball probably had a, a a bit of a strip involved in it. But when you got three men in the tackle, you can kind of conceal, you know, the stripping motion. But you've just got mm. to, you know, it's first grade. You've just got to be better than that. So I just hope he fixes up his action. He's a big body. He's tall. He can jump. And we need we need our wingers to be able to, you know, make make some yards out of our own end like Nofaluma used to be able to do. So, um, yeah, hopefully look, hopefully he'll be all right. But if it gets to the point where in the season where there's not much difference between all the wingers, then, you know, you'll end up picking guys that are going to be with the club, not guys that are leaving the club. Mm. So he, he needs to be better than the rest to keep his first grade spot. Uh, next highest, 60, 62% of people weren't impressed with Kepa Oa. Obviously, letting in that try, which we've also already talked about as well. Um, thoughts on Kepa Owa's game, Roberto? I, I look nothing personal. He's just he's just not a first grader. I I just mm. think we keep, we keep trying to reinvent him. You know, whether it's as a centre or a second rower, he, he's certainly got the body for it. Yeah, but I just sound really repetitive when we talk about Kepa, but he just you can't afford two mistakes like that a game. I mean, if he does that in, in against Canberra and he plays, that's 12 points. And and you could have played, we would have done a lot of good things for the rest of the game, but just those stupid moments like that, we can't afford them. Like he's just, he's just not cut out to be a first grader. And, and he, and he hasn't shown any, any sort of rugby league IQ improvement for three years. He just does a lot of those dumb things all the time. We saw it last year in, in various games. So uh, I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of you. It's not fun bagging a bloke, but he does it every week. There's literally not one game where he doesn't have a bad defensive read. So if he can't understand how to defend or what he's, you know, how he's meant to do do things, it's just, we're just pushing shit uphill, just persevering with him. So we've got to have better options there. Has anything to add, Mankepa? Yeah, that... Well, not really anything to add, but it was extremely disappointing um, how he didn't really put any effort into attempt to save that try. They, they showed the replay a few times, and he kind of hardly even reached his arm out to um, 
to stop them stop the player from running through and that was just extremely disappointing and immediately i saw a lot of people in the discord and on the socials and even in our conversation um with the three of us and shane that we were all extremely disappointed seeing that and yeah i i think there are probably a few players who might get a bit of a run over him i i feel like he was only in the starting side today because of who's who was missing um from our from our team for that game so i'll be interested to see if he gets another run this weekend um the, this trial coming up, I feel, is a bit more of a lo- lower, a smaller squad, um, like with our expected starting 17 and maybe four other players potentially, just to kind of get a bit more minutes in the legs for all of them. And I'll be interested to see if uh, Kepa is named tomorrow. What was that last comment, yeah. Josh, that came through? I saw something there. Uh, Jamie said and she's agreeing with you again. Kepa, oh, okay. So I wasn't sure spot. if it was a... Yeah. Uh, all, no, it's a compliment. Good. It's a compliment. No, I, I, I don't. I don't mind either way. It's just I feel sorry for the bloke. I want him to be better. I, I, mm. I can see how hard he's worked on his training and how fit he looks and everything like that. But you can't tell me that any coach he's had, whether it's John Morris or or Tim Sheens or Michael Maguire, said when you're in that position on that side of the field, you chase sideways like a fucking maniac and leave a six metre hole in the middle. Like, you just don't do that. No one does. You wouldn't do that in touch football. Like, it's just it's just so bad, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's a trial. Anyway, Rob, it's a trial, Rob. Forget it. It's just a trial. It's all good. <laughs> Calm down. Gussie, G- Gussie said he rates Asu. Gussie doesn't have an ounce of hate in his heart. He can't bring himself to uh, say a bad, <laughs> bad word against sentence. anyone. That's only half the sentence. He wanted to say, I rate Asu's hairstyle. He didn't actually <laughs> have a full stop. <laughs> Or rate him lowly. Um, An unfinished thought. Uh, Jakey Simpkin getting a few votes. I didn't really have an opinion either way on Jakey. He was playing with a lot of young, inexperienced players, which is tough when you're at nine. Is a um, yeah anything? I mean, the hooking role, obviously, Appy number one is the silver. The forgot the fourteen locked up. Do you think? Jake's going to beat out. Do you think De Silva is going to get a bit more time, either in flag or cup? What do you guys reckon? As who's going to be the backup hooker? I think it will be Simkin to start the year. I think um, I was talking about this with Dad and my brother yesterday. I I really think that um, Talon should see out the rest of the uh, what's it called? The is he. Is he in the uh, SG ball SG or is it the ball. other one? SG ball, SG yeah. ball. yeah. I think, Matt's I think old, he needs yeah. to see out the. I think he needs to see out the rest of the SG ball season in that competition, and then maybe get a bit of time in cup just to get a little bit more of the match fitness. Um, so I think at the start of the season we might see Simpkin in in the fourteen role to give Appy a bit of a breather if Appy needs it, but. I do think uh, Talon is the future. Um, it was very hard for Jake, I think, I feel, to try and lead the team the way he was when he's not that kind of player. And then after Talon came on, he he kind of outshined Jake, which I expected him to do. Um, but I think, yeah, given, given the length of the season, it might still behoove the coaching staff and the team as a whole to have um, Talon finish the year or finish the season in SG ball, because it actually doesn't last all that long. I'm pretty sure 
SG mm. Ball Comp Grand Final is done by Easter or not long after Easter. So, yeah, that's it's a fairly short competition, that one. Yeah, I, I think he's too good to leave out, out of first grade. What do you reckon, Roberto? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Josh, and it's not a knock on Jake. I just think we learned from last year. Uh, I know Benji and Robbie wanted to bring uh, Jareem Buller in from the start of the year. That's how, impre- how impressed they were with him. Sheen's wanted to go, you know, with uh, Laurie. And I don't think they're going to make the same mistake this year. Uh, he, As Aaron said, uh, Talon definitely outshone Jake. But to be fair on Jake, as he said, a lot of players he wasn't familiar with in that second half. Um, and it's his first game of the year. And, and the thing with Jake, every time Jake has a great game, he seems to get injured that game or, or the next week or whatever. So I just think, you know, if you look at Jake this time last year, I thought Jake was sensational against Canberra, uh, really good in the trial. Uh, tried hard in the first game we played against the Gold Coast, but, you know, he, he's not Happy Coruscant. So we, we don't want to lose anything when Appy comes off. And I think Talon just offers that attacking spark. And, hmm. you know, we have to we have to decide who that backup hooker is. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Aaron's right. Maybe they probably will start with Jake just out of respect because he's he's been that deputy for quite a while. But my heart says we should be going with Talon to Silver and just, just let him learn. Uh, another high, Josh Felity and Sam Fainu both getting a decent whack of, um, yeah, down votes as. Who was that? Sorry. Uh, Sam Fainu and, uh, Josh Felity. Yeah. Sam Fainu, I can understand in particular because I think he's a bit too much of a hothead. Um, he definitely put himself in bad positions a couple of times. Obviously he's been find um thankfully no suspension for him but i noticed the the first time i saw him or actually knew who he was was when he was playing in the under 19s origin last year and he definitely mm. lets things get to him a little bit and he kind of lashed out a little bit and i think we saw it again on the in the game yesterday where he doesn't go in with any preservation whatsoever which can be a bit of a danger especially when you've got that much um, aggression. Obviously, aggression is something we need. Don't get me wrong about that. But he needs to find a way to channel that to potentially turn it down a little bit because if he keeps getting penalised and sent off, if he does end up playing first grade, um, that's that's more of a detriment to the team than a poor performance is because it leaves us down a player. Um, mm. I didn't really have too much of a bad thing to say about Josh Felity. I just don't think he got um, a lot of game time and then at some point, he copped a bit of a, a minor shoulder injury of, of some sort. So hopefully he's okay too. But um, I still think that the jury should be out on Josh for a, a little bit more, a little bit more time. Um, Roberto, anything to add about those two guys or anyone else we haven't really mentioned? Oh, look, just on Sam Rella, uh, I just know that he's been training the house down and and to do what he did yesterday was just so ill-disciplined. Uh, he, he's got to he's got to learn to tone it down. He might be a little bit of work. He's he's way too raw, but he's certainly got the talent. Uh, I I haven't got the hype about Josh Folletti, and it's not look. He's still got a lot of time. He's only a kid, but I just don't mm. see him being super quick or super big. Um, so I don't know. Like it's not. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He can play, but I just think. How's he going to match up against first graders who were bigger than him, who were faster than him? So did nothing wrong, but he didn't have an impact. 
So, you know, as Aaron said, maybe we'll just, you know, not be too harsh on him. He's only a kid. He's only far out. He hasn't had a proper first grade game yet, really, has he? So, mm. um, but yeah, just he, uh, there's no wow factor about him for me. But, you know, he, he'll, he's got a few years to, to prove himself. He got to play late last year, but the season was done. Anyway, um, another, I don't think we've mentioned Alex Safarth yet. He's literally the, the cover photo for the, this episode, and you got a meat pie. I thought Alex Safar, uh, yeah, definitely is. Look, I know we all love Twoley, and in the depth chart, that's going to be Safar for Twoley for that rotation spot. In my opinion, I think I might go Safar over Twole if that's the case. What do you reckon, Roberto? I've got a feeling they'll both be there, Josh. I really do, but um. Uh, look, he, he played in his limited time yesterday. He played well. Uh, but he always tries hard. Um, he used to be a bit of a firecracker where he'd give away a stupid penalty or something like that. But I think he's, he you know, over the years, he's matured a little bit. So, look, it seems like the coaching staff are putting some faith in him. And by starting him at lock yesterday, that was a big, you know, vote of, you know, confidence in him. So, mm. look, let's just see how he goes. But he's always been a fringe first grader. So, but he mm. did. No, no one's ever questioned his effort. He always tries his guts out. So uh, let's yep. hope he can improve a little bit because he's going to have a star-studded pack around him with, you know, Papa Lee and Bateman and, and the front rowers and the hooker. So he, he's got a good pack to be, you know, be that BP man sort of there do, doing his thing. As Yeah, I was really impressed with um, Alex. I thought he played quite a strong game. He ran hard. He got involved in tackles. Um, he ran a good line for that try he scored. Um, obviously, a bit of a question mark on it potentially. But yeah, overall, I was really quite impressed with him. I thought he really wanted to put his best foot forward, uh, stake a claim for a spot in the round one team. And I honestly think you'll find both um, Alex and Twal in our team list for round one, probably both on the bench. Uh, yeah, we'll get. I guess we'll get into who we think the 17 are in coming weeks. We'll have, yeah, where we preview the season and that sort of thing. Right, our stats, man, have you got anything? Obviously, norm, in a normal game review, I will bring up all the game stats. But again, with 28 different players and it being a trial and things all over the shop, game stats are pretty pointless. So I said to Az, can you find anything significant from this game? What have you got for us? Actually, speaking of, Stats. Are you on the when's the one percent club episode for you this morning? Uh, it's supposed to be this Wednesday. Oh, sweet. So seven thirty, uh seven thirty on channel seven, Jim Jeffries uh his game show, the one percent club, as is in the crowd. Yeah, one of the what is it a hundred is it a hundred people in there? A hundred, yeah. Yeah. Is. yeah. So keep an eye out for our very own stats man on channel seven and then yeah, tune in to us afterwards for our Dragons preview. So what a night. <laughs> Double back-to-back stats, man, for a, for yeah, a Wednesday. A bit, bit of a busy night, night for me, that one, potentially. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, what have you got so for us? I did have a bit of a look at the, the stats from NRL.com. One thing I wanted to check was minutes that were played by some of the players, particularly the forwards. But... I don't think they actually monitor minutes played in trials because practically every player that played for us um, has played the full 80 minutes. That includes Declan Casey, who went <laughs> off after 20. 
Um, the only player that didn't play 80 minutes, apparently, was uh, Samuel Afenu, who spent 11 minutes in the sin bin, not just 10. So that's a bit of a that's a bit of a bummer. Um, so I can't exactly say such and such player did this in this amount of time. But what I wanted to focus on was the the work rate that some of the forwards put in um, meters made from carries and post contact meters because. I thought overall we actually looked fairly decent when we were mm. um, moving the ball forward um, as we were last year. So that's what I'm going to take a bit of a look at now. So I'll point out a few. Um, the first one I wanted to mention was Sione Fainu. 11 carries okay. for 149 metres with 94 post-contact. And mm. the thing that impresses me about that 94 post-contact metres is one of those new rules where you're not allowed to push your teammates forward anymore. So he's done all of that pretty much under his own own steam. And I think that's mm. extremely impressive in what was, I don't know, maybe maybe 30 to 35 minutes. I think that was probably what impressed me the most out of what I've seen. Um, the other ones I wanted to have a bit of a look at, I wanted to also take a look at, uh, where's his name? Gorn Sam Finu. Nine uh, runs for 87 metres with 52 post-contact. I thought that was quite impressive. Fanua Pole, who had a bit of a rocks and diamonds game as well, um, mm. made a couple of errors, but made some solid runs as well, uh, which would both impress and disappoint our good friend in the Discord, Connor Noons. Um, mm-hmm. 11 runs for 102 metres with 51 post-contact, so I thought that was quite good. Um and yeah, that was those were probably the three players I was most curious about. Um, we had some other good runs from other players. Uh, I will also mention uh, where is he? Uh, sorry, I've just had a. I've just. I I had Stefano Alex in Lobb, my head. There he I is. Okay. <laughs> Alex Lobb, ten runs for ninety-four meters. So obviously, being on mm. the wing, that that can be easier. It can be harder. I don't know if that includes uh, kick return meters, but. Quite solid, nonetheless, 47 post-contact. So he had quite a good little run on him as well. Stefano, I did want to bring up as well. Eight runs for 87 metres with 44 post-contact. So he Mm. was still averaging more than 10 metres per carry uh, for the carries that he made in obviously limited game time. So I'd expect him to maybe potentially double that number or close to double that number if he gets more game time in our second trial. And Clem as well, seven runs for 79 metres with 48 post-contact. So throughout the trial as a whole, I thought our forwards laid a really solid platform. We didn't get as much of a chance to obviously see what things look like in the red zone, especially with our main players on the field. But I'm sure we'll have a bit more of a look at that in the next trial. Yeah, Steph, I reckon he's in for a big... I think it's fair to say he was. Kind of, I mean, he played Origin last year, so to say, I was going to say he's underwhelming, but I think he's in. I think being dropped from the Origin uh, talks by by Freddie, he may be a bit of fire in the belly. Um, a bit of talk about that top eight uh, clause as well, so technically he might be playing for a contract or something as well. I but I just think he looks fit, ready to go. Yeah, he was battling a few injuries the last couple of years as well. So I think he's in for a big, big uh, season. So I thought there was uh, a se- he- I always thought there was a second version of the clause as well, where if he played, I think it was either two or three origin games, then um, that would extend him at the club. So I thought it was like it either is. the finals or the origin. Um, 
and don't forget he was rested from game three. That's the <laughs> that's the important part. Yeah. Look, at least he had uh, the experience the hu- of being in the origin squad. You know, that 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 in itself mm, yeah. would have been cool. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Uh the halves, we've talked a decent amount about them um individually, I guess, but yeah, again, I think they looked uh for the first time they were playing together, I thought they looked fairly in sync and yeah, the, the kicking game, as we mentioned, was very impressive. Um Jaden Sullivan did that nice little short ball to put who did he put through that set up that did the Fatape. first pass for Tarpe. That um yeah, that was a nice little ball as well. I yeah, I'm feeling decently confident about our halves this year. Look, I don't think they're gonna be Cleary and Luai, but I think they can they can do a job for us, Rob. Yeah, look, as I said earlier, I thought Caesar was more than impressive. Uh, I'm going to reserve judgment on Sullivan, but I know what Sullivan can do. I just, mm. hopefully he's just holding that back till, you know, the game time really happens when once the competition kicks off. But yeah, look, he was just finding his feet, letting Caesar take control. And, you know, Caesar showed absolute class the way he controlled that game. And uh, yeah, I just think it's it's a real positive because, I've you know, as I probably said, middle of last year, I was not a fan of getting Caesar to the club because I just thought if you haven't played NRL since 2019, you know, it, it's a tough ask to come back, you know, five years later and do it again. But look, only a trial, but what he showed in limited time, he looked fantastic. So uh, good on them for getting uh, Caesar and shut up, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can be wrong sometimes. Uh, anything to yeah, add on the halves? No, I don't like as? it. <laughs> not not really anything that I was just really impressed with what I saw from them. Um, obviously, that's in limited minutes, but yeah, trial number two obviously gives them a bit more time to develop that um, connection in a in a game situation and really see what they can do off the back of the incredible skill that Appy has. Absolutely, yeah, I, I'm confident about our one uh, one six seven nine for this year. So. Uh, Time will tell. Time will tell. We've been, yeah, we've got the wrong impression in trials before, but yeah, looked pretty. Certainly have. Pretty good. Uh, we're going to talk about the bench players, but I think we've pretty much smashed. I don't think there's anyone else really that we have left that we haven't covered. Um, so maybe we can move on and talk about an old friend in Justin Pascoe. So for those um, who missed it, only dropped last night uh, on yeah. James Graham's podcast. So a two-hour chat with uh, Jimmy Graham. It's a great podcast, probably one of my favorite. It's amazing that um, with all respect to footy players, James Graham is a very, very good uh, interviewer. And like, yeah, like he basically does it by himself. He's, yeah, he's he's very, very good at um at chatting and asking questions and I don't know, maybe the British accent makes him sound smarter than he actually is. Sometimes that that's why that's why the British tend to be um bad guys in American films because you just you think they're evil geniuses because of their accent. But no, I, I love Jimmy Graham and I uh, Rob, I yeah I really enjoyed this chat more than I thought to when we were talking about when it dropped 
Um, we'll talk about the disc, uh, Patreon Discord as well when it dropped. We'll kind of use you jokingly said, I'll kind of throwing you on the, under the bus in our group chat, Rob. You said I'll, I'll put it on when I want to fall asleep tonight, but um, turned out it was quite a quite a good listen. It was it was really interesting. I'd recommend everyone to listen to it. Uh, look, he comes across as a really nice guy. He's definitely a politician, a hundred percent a corporate. But at the same time, and and I don't think he realizes this. He absolutely just threw himself under the bus and doesn't even know that he's done anything wrong or said anything wrong. And it's maybe wrong is not the wrong right choice of word. He doesn't he doesn't realize that a lot of the things he said, which were true, just make him look so silly and, and just prove that why we had to move on from him. And there's a number of things. I I know you're going to play some clips, but uh, I've actually made some notes as well about, you know, some of the stuff he said, which, which was just quite remarkable. I just, I just couldn't believe some of the stuff he was actually admitting to. And it just shows why we've never had success under, under his tenure for eight years. Yeah, I've got a few clips from the episode where should we start maybe um maybe we can, we'll talk about him talking about the um the independent review and how he and lee got let go i felt that the club could have handled the way the review was done in a more respectful manner to certain people within the organization and i say um like our major sponsor and chairman at the time to to sort of not to sort of elect him on one day at the board meeting to then ask him to stand down five days later to then not really have communication for a period of time and then to finally ring him to say this is a decision the board's no longer um, thanks for your time type thing and not do it face to face this is a guy that yeah has, and this is for any business, I'm just not talking West Tiger, it's like you've got to treat people with the utmost respect and we don't always get it right, I get that, but this is a guy that's been a fan of the club since he was four and can tell you how and why he started supporting Balmain and he's put in an enormous amount of money over the his course. His own money as well. His own yeah. money over the course, not, not only to the game but specifically mm. to the team he loves and the club he loves. And he supported with all his time. Like this is a guy who's a you know lawyer with 70 lawyers or whatever he's got working for him. I know as CEO working with him as chair how much time he gave up to help the club in a voluntary position as chair. And I've said this to him too. Like there's, there's things that were said in the press that created challenge because he had the Tuesday show on SEN and everything like that. Um, so I'm talking out of school there. But still... There's a level of respect in how to handle stakeholders like that and people like that because this is a guy that now doesn't feel really welcome back at the club that he loves that he's poured all this money in mm. and to be exited so without respect or professionalism, that's what I find alarming. Um, uh, Rob, a lot to take in there, but he, yeah, basically going into bat for Lee there what are your thoughts on that well look the only thing i'll agree on there with pasco is that he should have had pentelis should have been officially told in person uh you're probably not going to play i mean you can't play everything josh or it'll go for two hours but 
Pasco mm. does say that he was told in person himself about his own, uh, you know, uh, removal from the CEO position. But certainly Hadrick Pentel should have been officially told in person. But that said, both those men knew they were going because the board, the West Tigers board quickly reappointed Hadrick Pentelis as chairman. Hadrick Pentelis quickly appointed Benji Marshall as ambassador for Brydon's. Pasco has been putting uh, applications in for jobs everywhere if you're listening to all the people in the know so they knew what was going on and if you want to talk about treating people re with respect the, the glue that was holding the west tigers together michael Maguire, wasn't even allowed to come back to training and say goodbye to his players okay in the middle of buy round he's preparing he's pe preparing our players to play manly at campbelltown so if you want to you want to show respect then you you treat other people respectfully as well but that's just the nature of, of sacking people. You can't you can't tell people they're going to go and keep them on for a few weeks to say goodbye because, you know, who knows if Pascoe gets a job with another club and takes sponsors with mm. him or whatever the case may be. So it's just part of the world. You sack someone, they move on. But don't talk about, you know, pe certain people being treated with respect when you haven't treated, you know, other people of, of, who are under your tenure with respect as well, that's all. So I just and as for putting the money in, yeah, look, the sad part for Hadji Pentelis is he's a Tiger supporter, like from Balmain to West. So that part of it's sad, but he's not putting his money in just for love. He's getting a return out of it and getting a lot of sponsorship and you know every, every article, every newspaper report, every radio report, every TV report. He goes on NRL three sixty and you got the Brydon's jerseys in the background. He's getting bang for his buck with the Tigers. We're always in the media, so. Yeah. I don't feel sorry about how much money he's put in, but certainly as a supporter, um, yeah, it would be pretty hard, you know, not feeling welcome back at the club. But that's that's just how it's worked out, and I'm sure I'm sure when the dust settles, he'll realise that we're in a better position for him not being there. And speaking of money, Harry Tribugoff from Meriton, obviously he feeds the club money without any like sponsorship ads, uh, what do you call it like ad space or anything oh. but not, not every time we talk about the Pasco. Or, you know, not 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 to the i think brian is about a million dollars a year to be fair so like it's a lot more than harry puts in every time we talk about pasco your dog goes off he's not pasco's not at your door is he and your dog's no no i, th I think i think my new wife has just arrived <laughs> home so you can't, you can't wait for her to get up the stairs so he'll, he'll calm down in a sec uh, here's Pasco talking about the Fulton hire. Is that the is that the correct version of events? Yeah, so um, I think it came on the back of so some of the board members were reached out to by an individual about Scott. Um, they went and met with that with Scott, and then there's some more board members. Then I went and met with Scott, and there was a decision at the board at that time not to inform the coach. I think it's one, though, that was regretted mm. pretty soon after. I think what, again, where we were at in terms of landing some big-name players, the at the time the club was really going hard for Mitchell. Uh, that was taking some time, the negotiation. Once you put a focus on a player and an amount next to that player, you can't... Going after Mitchell. Mitchell Moses. Oh, yeah. You, yeah can't, you, you can't do anything with that money. Mm. Like, you can't sit there and suddenly go, are we going to go oh, turn left here and go to, for this player? Because that money you're sort of in discussions with, that took a long time. Um, 
And whether he was coming or not or never coming or not, you know, we've all got our... Uh, so Pasco basically goes on there to talk about Rob, that he admits that they'd never told Benji or Sheenzy, uh, yeah, Benji or Sheenzy, that they went out and made that hire. What are your thoughts? Well, the, the, pers- the person that addressed the board was a player manager. Okay, that's that that, that, that he didn't want to name. Um, and then he admits later that they should never have done it and they knew what was going to happen by going behind the coach's back. And as I said previously, they went behind Maguire's back when they got Sheens and, and now they went behind Sheens's back and got Fulton. Uh, and if you'd have played that thing another few seconds, you'd act, this is the most damning part of the Mitchell Moses thing. And that's a... We're not talking about Fulton here, but he actually goes on to say, I never, I always knew Mitch Moses was never coming. Like mm. he was never, ever coming. And I'm thinking, well, if you knew he was never, ever coming, why did you pursue him? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you stop wasting time pursuing him if he was never coming? But he actually admits that Mitchell Moses was never coming. I just thought, you idiot. Like, then why, why were you, why did you, do what you did with our halfback situation, you know, get rid of Hastings, you know, chase up every other halfback. Uh, now we're not getting Moses. He's just, he's just so casual, man. He just, everything, everything's just a bit of a, he's a bit airy fairy, you know, like he used the word transformational. Like I'm all about transformational things. And he just talks in a weird language, guys. He's just, he's, he's very blase about everything. Uh, might play one more clip and then, Rob, I'll just get you because you made some notes and that sort of thing. But might finish with Pasco talking about the uh, kicking the ball on the field. Narrative tend to be successful. That probably the argument, the counter argument to that would be the Melbourne Storm. That maybe they get have an educated guess. Any of the other um, sixteen other NRL clubs, CEOs doing that, nothing's made of it. But the media came for you in that instance. Now. You can laugh it off and say it doesn't matter, but it, but I think it does because the effect that that then has on the players that are seeing that. I, when you said I laughed it off, you asked me the question, did it affect me? I said it didn't affect me. But it affected the club. But it always, and I always felt sorry for the fans. Mm. I felt sorry for the workers that worked in the club. I felt sorry for the players. I felt sorry for all the people that bust their ass every single day working their ass off to be the best version of themselves, to make the club the best version of themselves. Um, I think you had a crack at me. Someone sent me through something that day. Why is he in the change rooms and why has he got a suit on? You know, I should represent as a CEO, you should always be in a suit. Now, Did I say that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which is fine. Eh? Mm. Everyone's entitled to their yeah. opinion and I respect the journalistic world, 24 hours news cycle. And West Tigers, again, is a massive brand that covers a huge area where subscribers and papers and all that are sold. So I get it. Um, was I happy with all the negativity? No, absolutely not. It used to drive me nuts. Um, do you respond to every single thing just to give sometimes the media what they wanted so then there'd be more fuel um, put on the fire, so to speak? No, you had to be careful and balanced around that. We had independent people advising us at times in my tenure there about how to control the narrative. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that I never went on the field again after that because of that reason, mm. that, you know, and I was surprised by that because I, 
I used to, um, Ivan Cleary, because of my AFL background, used to sit there and say, can you go out and kick and warm up with the players when I was there at Penrith and at West Tigers? No one ever said anything then. So this was two and a half hours before on an away game at the Broncos with staff just out there and someone had a ball so we were having to kick around. The staff came up after it and said, we love how accessible you are. Yeah. That you And, you, you know, I was on that same trip. I'm the one who's there because I want to be a part of, and be respected. I'm lifting bags off the bus. I'm carrying yeah. bags in. Rob, what do you make of uh, all that there? About the yeah, look, the he, he might be right about the kicking the footy being a beat up. I, I just, I just look. There's something you know. People have to listen to the podcast. But he got asked about what were the important things to him when he took over as CEO, and he basically said in no particular order. And he went through the four things, and the fourth thing that he said was winning the comp and winning games. Now, you ask Shane Richardson what his priority is, and he says it's winning a premiership, where with Justin Pascoe, it was like getting the business up and running, you know, do this, do that, and, yeah, then make finals and win premiership. Like, that came last, and that just goes to his casual nature. Um, he says that, and he's, he's right, like his office was always open, anyone could walk in, et cetera, et cetera. But he goes on to mention a story about Brent Naden, and he was saying how, I forget who the player was. You might be able to re- refresh my memory, Josh, but he said someone was a bit of a pain in the ass to him. Might have been, I don't, I don't know, was it John Bateman he might have asked? I'm not sure. Anyway, he said, who's being a bit of a pain in the ass? He said, Brent Maiden. So he thought he'd pull a prank on him. And the fact that Justin Pascoe's office was always open, the blinds are always open, his office is above the gym, you can see in the gym, he calls Naden in and absolutely stitches him up, tells the secretary to play along with it, shuts the curtains, and he goes, mate, what's wrong? What's wrong? What did you get up to on the weekend? And Naden's going, nothing, nothing, nothing. And the story goes on to the point where Naden's dripping with sweat, like, what the hell have I done, man? I only took my wife and my kid for a drive down to the Wollongong or whatever. And mm. Justin Pascoe said, now, you know, that should have been played on uh, Tales of Tiger Town. Like, that would have been really funny to see. And I thought, mate, you're a freaking CEO of a rugby league organisation. It's just not even a, a funny gag. Like, I wouldn't even be mentioning that story. I, mean, I was actually embarrassed. I was cringing while I was listening to this story. Like, what CEO would prank a player like that and then brag about it on the podcast? And that just shows you to his, everything's a joke, everything's a bit casual, life goes on, and then he, he takes nothing seriously. And he didn't take winning football games seriously. He's never taken the southwest of Sydney getting into Campbelltown seriously till about a year ago when you know, the bashing we've done of him and his management had finally got through to them because South Sydney have infiltrated that MacArthur area. So he just, he just, as he said, he, he said, I can talk to any group of people, you know, I can talk to players and I can drop F words and he drops a few F words in this podcast, but he's just, he's just, a, look, he's just a good talker and he can get on with anyone and, and he assimilates with people. But I think that Brent Naden's story just summed up what type of CEO he was. Everything everything's just a bit of a joke. He wants to be he wants to be loved by everyone and be everyone's best mate instead of the, getting the best out of everyone. It's it, you're not there to be everyone's best buddy mate. You're there to do a job. And I just don't think he ever took winning seriously. And you know when he said oh, I'd love to be the CEO of the Tigers now, mate, it wouldn't have changed for another eight years. He's just too casual. He actually said Another thing he said is, I'd rather my employees make mistakes than do nothing. 
Like, really? Like, okay, you don't want your employees doing nothing, but you don't want them making mistakes. I'd rather they did nothing than make a, a bad error. So I just think mm. his whole his whole approach to we're a footy club, mate. We're not a freaking corporate business. You know, he, he's he's just good for getting sponsors and sucking up to people and 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 getting money and and he'll like he'll just find he'll land on his feet. He's the sort of bloke that will always land on his feet because he's good at bullshitting to people. But he was never the right fit for our club. Everyone's going to say, yeah, he did so well financially. Well, yeah, if, if I leave out paying out coaches as, you know, not being not being on my list of debits and credits, then, yeah, you'll show a profit as well. But just just a really good talk. It was a, it was a really interesting listen. But there's many, many more stories like that on the James Graham podcast where you just scratch your head and think, are you serious, mate? Like, you're actually admitting to all this and you think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the fact that you'd run a, a, a Tales of Tiger Town knowing that it could harm your team's chances of winning. And he just thinks there's nothing wrong with it. He said, oh, you know, I watched Sunderland till the day I die, whatever it was called, Sunderland till I die. And I thought that was a great thing. And I watched Patrick Mahomes in the NFL do something where he comes home and sees his baby. And I think he goes, we should have more of that access as fans. And he's probably right. We should have that access as fans. But your job isn't to give that access to fans. Your job is to freaking make our club win footy games and stay solvent. That's it. And he got the solvent part half right. He couldn't get us to win footy games. We went absolutely backwards. We've got two wooden spoons in a row. And now we've got a new interim CEO who's trying to get us out of this mess and and it won't be a quick fix. But yeah, I, I advise everyone to listen to it. It goes for, I think, two hours and 20 minutes. So you probably need a week to listen to it. But um, <laughs> you and I got through it last night, Josh, just so we could have a bit of a yarn about it. Yeah, no, I, I found it. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Sorry, as you were pretty silent there, but Rob, Rob was cooking quite nicely there. So, but uh, anything to add? And no, no, that's uh, look, let the man cook. That's uh, that's what we do. As anything to add to all this? Yeah, I was, I was happy to just let Rob let Rob go there. That's um, that's mm. definitely his department compared to mine. Mm. But I did, I did want to ask a question. You guys did, you guys did, um mention in our uh, private chat that they meant they talked a little bit about Campbelltown getting more games and I haven't listened mm. myself yet but I'm a little bit curious about what was said about Campbelltown getting more games I do or, have that clip but we're running like he, he does say that the intention is there'll be more Campbelltown games than like our games and that the West is the future as okay. Rob said he, he only recently changed that opinion but he does go on to say how much pro Campbelltown and the Southwest is, and he says that he's worried that people that have moved out there would already have a team, which is right. And I think I've said that before on the show. He's more saying that they need to go get into schools and target the next generation as well. And is he, that- paint, he paints himself into a corner, Aaron, because he said that he brokered the deal at um, Combank Stadium, the Parramatta Stadium, whatever mm. it's called. And yet at the same time, he says there's an absolute disconnect where, you know, fans from Campbelltown area don't have an attachment to their team. And I'm thinking, no shit, Sherlock. There's been three games a year and you put them on at night or in the middle of winter. Like like the thing that, you know, like I said, for me, for me, the attachment with rugby league was going to the games with mum and dad. You know, it was a family thing. It was, it was the bonding. It was all that sort of stuff. How many times a year do you get to go to a game at Campbelltown or even Leichhardt for that matter? Mm-hmm. Like this year, it's great, but it's taking them years to recognise that, you know, we've got to do this. And 
he basically admits to selling out, you know, for the dollar. Like, he, he's admitted mm. that. So, and if he's been there for eight years, he's caused, like, so, he said the contract that, at Homebush Stadium was already had five years left to run when he took over. But, you know, he, he ended up making another new deal and it was all about just getting dollars because those deals with those club with, with those grounds were better than us packing out a, a Leichhardt or a Campbelltown. So, but then he goes and sells us out to Combank anyway. So I, I don't know. I just, I just think the guy says one thing and then the next minute says, you know, it was wrong when he thinks it's right and it's right when he thinks it's wrong and, he just talks in riddles. Just, yeah, we should move on from him, guys. I think well, I think everyone's sick of hearing about Hadjipentelis and Pasco. We need to look at 2024 and beyond and, and just put these guys in a memory bank. Uh, just anything to add about Fetty Walsh playing in the All-Star game, As Yeah, I was... It was unfortunate that she wasn't playing fullback. Um, she was quite good uh in what she was able to do in a well-beaten team in the centers at the end but i do wish we got to see her at fullback i i'm just happy for her uh being able to represent her culture and do something that she really loves doing um which is putting on that maori jersey and just having a good time out there with her country women i just thought it was really good to see while she didn't get to have probably the game she would have liked it's just good to see uh in the men's and women's comps all these players getting to represent their culture and their heritage and their history and having fun while they're out there playing. hundred percent. Yeah. Love. She's, she's destined to be um, part of that West Tigers lifetime. What's that club called? Lifetime life members. members, life members. Yeah. She'll be one of those one day club. Absolute club legend. Um, first player ever signed to the, well, just quickly, the first player ever signed to the women's team and, the first whip woman to score a try for the West Tigers. So I think that's pretty, pretty good stats to have. <laughs> mm, yeah. She's and, and works for the club as well. She's um, a great person. Yeah. Uh, SG ball from the weekend. Balmain went down to the Eels 38 to 12. Uh, the Magpies had a loss as well. They went down to the Knights 36, 26 in Harold Matts. The, uh, the Maggies did get up. Uh, they won 18-16 against the Knights. Uh, Balmain had the bye in Harold Matz. Uh, Table-wise, the uh, in the SE ball, the Tigers are down in 14th, but the Maggies are sitting in 6th. And in Harold Matz, the Magpies are in the top four and Balmain sitting second last. So, yeah, the Magpies side of things really flying the flag for us if they, as they have done the last uh, last few seasons. As well, uh, in Tasha Gale and Lisa Fiola, uh, Tasha Gale went down 24 to 4 to the Knights, and in Lisa Fiola, uh, they won 22 18 against the Newcastle Knights. And in those tables, Tasha Gale, the girls are down at 11th, but in Lisa Fiola, they're mid pack in sixth place. Um, in Laurie Daly Cup, uh, the boys, the MacArthur West Tigers, won fifty-four to sixteen over the Bulls, and Andrew Johns also got Andrew Johns' uh, Cup team also got a big win over the Bulls, thirty-two fourteen. That was out in Camden. Um, talked about it a little bit earlier on. If you want to take part in the prediction survey episode, so. Um, 
go to either the link tree link in our Twitter or Instagram profile or go to westtigers.com.au, drop the S in West, westtigers.com.au. There'll be a link should be up there now to basically click for the Google form and yeah, answer all the questions. And I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, the email section at the start, you can tick yes or no to joining our newsletter. So uh, for those who don't know, I send an email out. After every episode, I get all the podcast pipes and the YouTube links, put them all into an email and send them out to anyone who's on our mailing list. And that way, yeah, you don't forget to listen to the show each each episode that goes out. So if you do one of our surveys and tick yes, that's basically what you get at email the next morning after every episode, just so you don't forget to yeah, listen to your favorite fellas talking West Tigers uh, as well. So uh, speaking of our favorite fellas and ladies, patreon.com forward slash West Life. If you want to support the show from just a few bucks a month, jumping out Discord, talking not just footy, obviously a lot of footy, over the summer, a lot of um, bit of NBA chat today, All Star Game that happened. I didn't. I only saw a couple of minutes of as well. A bit of chat about that. Um, yeah, horse racing over the weekend. Some some bets. I think some of your. I think you some of your Robster Damas bets from last week, Roberta. You fed us. I know at least one of them got up. Yeah, they're no good, mate. A third, a third, and a first and a third. So oh, not, well, not good at all, money, especially, especially yeah, given the prices they were. No, we'll, we'll stick to 40, I think, this week. <laughs> hey, look, you get a bonus bonus bet back most places for uh, for a third place. So It's hard it's when you've got to give a tip than... on Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday's too True. early in the week. Might yeah. have, we might have to work something out where we put something up later in the week. It's all right. 40, 40 will be back soon. We can, uh, we can lose our money on the rugby league instead. Uh, yeah, shouts to our Patreon members. Next episode will obviously be Wednesday, 8.30 p.m., and we'll preview the trial match in Mudgee uh, that I believe is, what, about an hour north of your old stomping ground as from Orange? Two hours? What's uh, Orange to Mudgee? I think it's about two hours because you've got to go through Bathurst and then up from there. Right, okay. Um, yeah, my New South Wales country geography not the greatest, but um, yeah, hopefully the boys head out to Mudgee and put in a good performance against the Dragons, and we'll preview that game on Wednesday evening. Big thank you to the hundreds of you tuning in tonight, watching us live again. We love you all, and again to the thousands of you who listen to us every episode, be it on the YouTubes or the uh, the audio pipes as well. Anything to add? Uh, before we put a lid on this episode, fellas. All good. Looking forward to the preview of the uh, Battle of the Wooden Spoon. Oh, that's a bit rough. Well, we're um, we're going to try sure. and avoid that this year. I think we'll I think we'll do a bit better at avoiding it this year. Come on, Rob. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have a side bet, you and me. Negative no, Nancy over here. There we go. <laughs> anyway, boys, despite that negativity, despite two wooden spoons in a row, despite... Uh, a former CEO, not uh, not going away. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Westlife Podcast. Please follow us at Westlife Pod on Instagram and Twitter. 
and facebook.com forward slash westlifepod. You can also support and take part in the show at patreon.com forward slash westlife and give us a subscribe on YouTube and turn notifications on. We'll see you again next time on another episode of the Westlife Podcast. Mm-hmm.